Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Who's watching the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp defamation trial? Because I know it's coming to an end and there's so many things people are talking about. Innocent, not innocent. Everything from sexual abuse to drug abuse. This is an absolute mess. And maybe you don't care or maybe you've taken a vested interest. I know some people are referring to this trial as the trial of the century. Perhaps it is. But one thing that I wanted to discuss today during our weekly marriage hour in light of the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial is that celebrity and royal matchmaker Christina Pineda will join us. And she's in the know and very involved in the Hollywood scene. We're going to talk about from a Catholic perspective, is it ever possible to find the perfect spouse? You see you know, what happened between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and many of the marriages that fall apart. And I think there's a lot that can be discussed here. Uh, celebrity world matchmaker Christina Pineda is also going to join us to talk about whether or not you should have friends of the opposite sex when you're married, and talking about boundaries. We'll also take your questions, ask a matchmaker your dating and relationship questions. Single dating people, this is your chance. Numbers 1-888-914-9149. Also take your abortion questions a little later on as well. Welcome to our weekly marriage hour, talking to everything dating relationships and the end goal marriage. Christina from Matchmakers in the City, welcome back to Trending. Thanks, Timory. So happy to be with you as always. Christina, I know you've been following off and on the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. I think those who try to ignore it can't really ignore it. And those who are watching it, some people are trying to follow every step of the way. But it talks a lot about ultimately relationships and dating and marriage. And that's, I think, at the heart of it, what it's about in many ways. I'd like to get your take on the trial and their relationship that between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Well, I think the question that you brought up is the one that I've been pondering about the trial because you wonder, is it ever possible to have the perfect spouse? While someone might say, oh, well, no one is perfect, so I know I won't ever find the perfect person, but they, a lot of times people will get divorced since they believe that they married the wrong person. But is there ever a right person who you've married? And Johnny Depp was actually engaged six times, married twice to all beautiful and successful women, including Lori Allison, Jennifer Grey, Winona Ryder, Kate Moss, Vanessa Paradis, and last Amber Heard. So clearly the relationships didn't always get better. And especially this last one seems like it was the absolute worst. 
but you wonder mm-hmm. if you're getting engaged and married so many times, you're look, you're searching for something that is just not there, a certain perfection mm-hmm. or a marriage that's not coming to fruition. Mm, that's interesting you say that. I think to begin with, I think most of us could agree, Christina, that Johnny Depp and Amber Heard seem like two people who have who should have never been married to begin with. And I mean, you add what you're sharing in a second marriage, uh, multiple engagements. Clearly, as you say, he's searching. Was he searching for perfection? Was he searching, you know, to replace perhaps the wounds and a female figure in his life that, you know, he hoped for and wished for in his mom as the details have come out about that very sad and messy relationship uh, with his mother and that she was very abusive. I mean, there's so many things that we could get into from, you know, trying to fill a void from a past life, trying to look for perfection in the next relationship. It seems as if this story of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, although, yes, might seem inaccessible to many of us because of how elite they are, I mean, even just looking at some of their bills, the way they live, the way they partied and trashing Uh, penthouse suites, hotel rooms, and homes, and just some of the filthy just behavior and attitudes that they went about. And it's sickening, some of the details you hear, and very sad when you hear the things that they're claiming of the other person and that they're claiming of their experiences and their upbringings. Um, But it does seem far-fetched and out of reach for us at times, Christina, because of that wealthy dimension, because of them having been in the limelight for so long as movie stars, yet at the same time it touches on, as you said, this idea of perfectionism and a spouse and the divorce culture attitude that we live in. It's so true. And as you said, it seems like neither Amber nor Johnny treated each other in the proper way, regardless of if physical abuse was involved. And often the person who, so this bringing it back to our, our normal everyday lives, often the person who seems like the perfect person for you is an illusion. Mm. It's, I, I researched into a little bit of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp's beginning and they, it's the same story that you hear from so many couples. They were on the movie set together. They had chemistry. They were do, filmed an inappropriate scene together. And Johnny was still common law married to Vanessa Paradis at that point. They have two children. The thing is also just for any actors and actresses out there that what you do with your body, you do with your soul, even if it's just a movie. That's important for us all to remember, even if we're just acting or there's no time when an immoral act is actually moral, if you, even if you're pretending. The, and then this also brings up the point that according to the Huffington Post, the statistics reveal that second or later marriages are much more likely to end mm-hmm. in divorce. And right. seeing that from a matchmaker perspective, Often people will come to us for date coaching after a divorce and they reveal how shocked they are by how terrible they've found the dating scene to be. And they often don't tell me this, but I know that some part of them wishes that they would have stayed with their ex because it's the Mm -hmm. same old saying that the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, it's interesting, kind of coming back to what you said first, how 
Amber Heard and Johnny Depp first kicked off their relationship. They were in a movie filming scenes together, engaging in essentially premarital sex, right? And here they are. Uh, they find that they have chemistry. Well, no duh. I mean, you put yourselves in that type of situation. I think most people will find some level of attraction or attraction or interest in the other at a certain point. Uh, that's kind of part of the difficulty in the acting world. But you said something so important, and I don't want to pass it. You said, what you do with your body, you do with your soul. And that that wasn't just a movie. And I think that that speaks volumes to the blasé approach we have to intimacy today in the hookup culture or for many people who even say, okay, you know, I'm saving uh, sex for marriage, but I'm okay with doing everything and anything. But, and again, it's still aligned with your body. And I think that that statement is so profound. I'd like to drill down on that a little bit more, Christina. Sure. And that's also, I can't take full credit for it. Actually, Father Simon says that quite frequently on his show. So I got it from him. But it's very wise words. And the book Love and Responsibility by St. Pope John Paul the Great really dives into this and shows that when we're engaging in intimate acts that even if you're not going the whole way, as they say, everything is really going the whole way because you're, you're starting that process. And it's that's, which is supposed to be the intimacy saved for marriage that you can enjoy with your future husband or future wife and who has committed fully to you and not, you're not stirring the pot before it's too soon. And even read Song of Solomon and you just do not awaken love before it's ready. And it's ready when you're in, when you're married. Christina, uh, let's talk a little bit more about this shift that we're seeing, I think, for many people uh, who have been there, done that. They've had, you know, relations outside of marriage and they're wanting to take that back or maybe they're find themselves uh, divorced but then kind of regretting that because they've had this approach of well I'll do anything to keep the person or the approach that the grass is always greener on the other side both of those ideas in a certain respect are the same thing you're doing what you think you have to to give yourself the maximum amount of not just pleasure but seemingly happiness how do you see this often in your matchmaking work and how do you approach it to kind of temper that to heal those desires and help people at the end of the day find contentment in themselves before they go out searching for these things or groping for uh, things based on how they are willing to compromise or run. Right, right. And it's this always, there's always something that, that they're seeking or, and then they find once they Maybe once they get what they want, it's actually not not good, and they're not they're they lose it. They don't have peace that they they don't have the peace that they thought that they would. So, of course, that our Lord is the source of peace, and when we come to know Him and our in His desires for how we do marriage, how we do relationships, how we date, then we can come to a better understanding of how to date the right way and how to, and the only way that will make us happy. And especially if someone has done it the wrong way, they know the truth, they know the, the bad fruits that it, it, it yields. I've date coached so many people who 
have gone too quickly in relationships and they have to deal with the extremely terrible fallout of those relationships, it is ugly. It is terrible. Mm. They have trouble sleeping. They have no peace. They have to see a therapist every single week at the least. And it's, mm. there's a lot of issues that come with that. So it's better not to make those mistakes if you can, if you prevented, but if you have made those mistakes, learn from them and know that God will bless you with the right person if you do things his way. And if he wants you to be married, maybe your peace and your calling is a different direction, but the only way we'll have true happiness, joy, and contentment is through following his will and following the Holy Spirit. And that's where the real joy is. Mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, in marriage, in the goal is the idea of getting your spouse to heaven and the procreation education children. Those are missions that are so sacrificial, so mind-bendingly difficult, emotionally tormenting at times, but it makes Mm. you a better person and it makes you more fulfilled. And we talk a lot about happiness, which is fleeting. It's an emotion. It's transitory. But joy is being rooted in God, seeing the grace um, in our lives, the grace filling us to do what we are called to do, fulfilling our human nature and that God-given calling. And I remember a while back, a guest here on Trending, uh, Brooke Taylor, she'll sometimes guest host when I'm not here. And we were talking one day about marriage. And she said, sometimes in marriage, simply sticking through it is a pure act of the will, a pure act of the will. And I think that those words were very profound because if you're going to make a pure act of the will in moments that are the most difficult in marriage in particular, that requires that we've been making those decisions and all the small little habits and movements and interactions in marriage and prior to marriage mm-hmm. and those dating relationships, saying no to yourself and yes to the other person, what is best for them? And that is saving sex for marriage, um, not wasting another person's time and dating them for forever and not making a commitment, you know, making sure that we're not moving in with someone before we get married to them, you know, not putting yourself in a situation or the person you're dating in a situation uh, to be afraid of sex sexually transmitted diseases, fear of pregnancy outside of marriage, and all of these things that come, virtue starts, the act of the will starts with those good habits, those loving choices that we start to implement in small ways so that when it gets difficult and we want to run or we want to think that perhaps there's perfection or excitement in someone else, we see actually the perfection that needs to occur is in our own soul. And that is sometimes what is the most difficult thing in marriage. Oh yeah. And it's not easy. It's as you're, you're saying, it's, this is work and this is part of our sanctification that takes, takes effort. It takes courage, but just seeing from the other side of, I've seen mostly women are the ones who are asking for divorces and then they go on these dating apps or start dating online and they see the reality of all these men who are ENM, ethically non-monogamous, which we've already talked about, but just, they're just so disappointed with what they thought would be the answer to their happiness. And it's really not. So what I think mm-hmm. it's better to fix the marriage that you have and to work on that marriage than to divorce the person for someone better in in quotes. And even if you have attraction and excitement and feelings for someone else outside of your marriage, like Johnny did, 
that knowing that these, these feelings are fleeting and usually the result of who you think the person is and not who they, who he or she really is. Mm. That's Christina Pineda, celebrity and royal matchmaker, giving us her keen insights on dating, relationships, and marriage. If you have a question, ask a matchmaker your dating relationship questions. We will take them. Numbers 1-888-914-9149. You can also ask now on my social media. Just follow me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. We've also tagged Christina there. You can find her at matchmakersinthecity.com. We'll post a link on social media as well to her website. Have you picked up, signed up for your copy of the Memorari Moment? There's still time to take your month of Mary to another level. May is the month of Mary, after all, with Father Rocky's new free book, The Memorari Moment. Learn more about this prayer and why praying it right now can change history. The book is 100% free, no shipping, no handling, but it's only available for a very limited time and copies are going fast. Sign up today at relevantradio.com slash moment. You're listening to Trending with Timory. I'll be right back here with Christina Pineda and we will take your questions. We're also going to talk about marriage and whether or not you need to have boundaries with people of the opposite sex. Can you be friends with people of the opposite sex? We'll be right back here on Trending. It's kind of that question again. Can men and women just be friends? So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome to our weekly marriage hour. We are going to talk everything dating and relationships, taking your questions with celebrity and royal matchmaker Christina Pineda. I ask her, I really want to know who the celebrities, or more specifically, let's be real, the royals are that she has matchmade. She won't, can't tell me. I digress. I begged her. Please don't tell me you match made Harry and Meghan because we need to we need to have a conversation there if that was the case. But again, I mean she can weigh in on that. Numbers one eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. If you have a question, we'd be happy to take it here in just a moment. But in the meantime, let's talk about marriage and boundaries in marriage. Uh, one of the age-old questions is whether or not men and women can just be friends. But it changes a little bit when you get married. Christina, you want to talk about uh, this idea of should you have friends of the opposite sex when you're married? Why do you want to talk about this and what are your thoughts on it, especially as a matchmaker? Yes, yeah, so boundaries are actually the hottest topic in psychology right now, and they are critical for protecting your marriage. The reason why this came into my mind, the forefront of my mind especially, is because when I moved to Tennessee, I was struck by the separation of men and women in conversations after mass. And in our parish in LA, there was just so much more mingling. So I, that's what I was used to. And at first, this difference made me, made me annoyed since I really enjoyed conversing with our friends of both sexes. But then I started to think about how it might be beneficial to have that kind of separation since people are often too relaxed about boundaries and that leaves room for inappropriate connections to form, even if 
you do not find the other person attractive, the other man or woman attractive, you might be, that person might be attracted to you and we need to do our best to avoid other people into sin. So it's not just, I wear what I want because I feel like it and I feel good about it. It's more, it's also asking the question of, well, what, what would this, what is something that I, I could be encouraging in someone else? So I have a few tips for how to be friends with boundaries with, for people of the opposite sex. Shoot, I'd love to hear. And I, before I do, I do think it's interesting having moved to the Midwest myself, I have noticed as well that kind of difference in a little bit more of separation according to men together, women together, and the conversations kind of ensuing a little bit more so. And the opposite sex when married, taking a little bit more of a back seat. And part of me kind of wondered if this was perhaps more natural because these aren't connections that I've had since college or before with, you know, people of my age and older, or if this was more so a thing that's more common in the Midwest. I thought it was an interesting question. And I think that it's something to perhaps learn from as well. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who found this when I moved, but yeah. So some, here's some tips. And the first one would be to pay attention to how you dress, like I alluded to before. This goes for men too. So men, you can ask yourself, have you chosen that shirt since it shows off your biceps or you look, you think you look, your muscles look great in it. And then for women, do your makeup and hair in a way that makes you presentable, but try to avoid looking alluring. I hate this piece of advice because I love doing my makeup. Anyone who's listened to any of my episodes with Timory knows how, what a big fan I am of, of women just doing it up before they go on dates and looking great before they go on a date. But this is something I have had to change since I'm married. It's just a different at mass. I, it's obviously I can still wear makeup on dates with my, with my husband, but it's something to or in pay general attention as well. to. Oh, and I think, Christine, kind of jumping in here because some people might say, well, well, hold hold the front door. What are you saying here? I think that (laughs) this is a moment where modesty is not just, you know, showing too much versus too little. Um, Modesty is how we comport ourselves. And when you're married, you're not still on the hunt. You're not trying to attract still. Not that we should be flaunting ourselves to begin with. And I think this is a difficulty. I wish more women, especially young women who are single, understood that we're not trying to flaunt our bodies. We're trying to adorn our bodies. I think that jewelry, makeup, clothing, I love all of it. I think it's wonderful. I love it. Premarital while being married Uh, but you know sometimes when you find yourself married when you find yourself a mom those dress lines can come a little longer you know I think the different things that can concur and I'm not saying to dress like a schlub I'm not saying I don't want to get myself in trouble with the things I'm going to say here but what I am saying because I love clothes I know you do as well Christina uh, we need to kind of see that modesty changes in the various states and stages in life that we find ourselves in. Right. And I guess there's, when you're married, it has a little more of a simple, simple beauty and simplicity that we might be striving for as women. And I guess this goes into my second point of it's totally fine to speak with someone of the opposite sex, 
but preferably while your spouse is there. And so if you're dressed like this, if you're being, paying attention to be, to be putting on the makeup in a way that is making you presentable, that's totally, that's great. And then, but and you can still talk to men or women, but you want to try to keep that conversation short, especially if your spouse isn't there and try to restrict the co- topics of conversation to less personal things. For some people, it might be helpful to write a list of topics that are safe for those kinds of conversations and then a list of converse- of conversation topics that might fuel connection. This helps to prevent mm-hmm. those kinds of connections from forming beforehand so you don't have to be upset if they do form because it can happen. You know, it's the whole age-old idea of talking about ideas, not people, and sometimes not even just people being ourselves as well. Uh, but one thing I've really mm. seen my husband do very, very well, he's a, sets an incredible example of this. Anytime I meet a work colleague or anyone ever, uh, they always are so excited to meet me because he has talked about me. He's talked about our child. They know about us. We're a part of regular conversations, uh, especially with his work colleagues of the opposite sex. And it's flattering for me that, oh, you know, like, you know that I exist. You know that, you know, I'm an important part in his life. And it is, it makes me very, very grateful to him and also feel comfortable in those female uh, relationships, friends that he has when I'm not around. That's a great, yes, that is wonderful. And I, I think that everyone should do that. We should bring up the, if your spouse isn't there when you're talking to the person, bring the person up in the first few minutes and and have he or him or her be a main part of that conversation. And okay, so now with texting, I think that if someone's a mutual friend, let the husband text if it's a man or the wife text if she's a woman and group text if necessary. So if you need to communicate something to someone of the opposite sex and you need to do it, not your husband or not your wife, then do a group text, add your spouse on there. So there aren't these one-on-one conversations as much as, as much as this is possible. Mm -hmm. I know in work situations, it's very difficult to do that. So use your discretion with that. And on the same vein, let your husband lead activities with male friends and you with female friends. So let your husband be the architect of, oh, I really want to see my friend, this, my male friend, let's plan, I'm going to plan something with him. And then same thing with you and your female friends. I was recently in a situation where um, our, we had a friend that we made as we moved and you know, there were some things that I had to work on with this new friend of the opposite sex. And we had a lot in common and everything from fitness and all these different things. And it was easy to just like kind of go running on these conversations or run like with these conversations. It was exciting, but I had to keep myself in check and also talk about how, you know, you would be a great friend for my husband. The truth of the matter was, is this guy would be, but I use that exact tactic that you're saying. We're always trying to keep that level of accountability with group texts. If we're planning stuff with everyone, one together and unfortunately but also fortunately taking a little bit of a back burner rather than diving into perhaps a friendship that would seem normal if I wasn't married but isn't quite appropriate in terms of proximity while being married right right it's so true and then taking it a little bit a step further so if if you are finding yourself 
attracted to someone of the opposite sex who is not your husband or wife, and I newsflash, this is life, and your spouse isn't the only attractive person in the world, then you can treat this person like you would any other man or woman with the same boundaries, politely or kindly, but same thing, same thing over and over again with the boundaries. And I say this also because I, oh, sorry, Timur, do you want to say something? Just real quick. You said that newsflash that this is life. Sometimes you will be attracted to people of the opposite sex. Your spouse is not the only attractive person. Christina, I think sometimes people don't know what to do when that happens. Uh, You know, new relationships are exciting. That woo and that awe factor is there. And when people find Mm. themselves married and all of a sudden they're attracted to someone and they're feeling some of those feelings again for the first time, in years, perhaps it can be shocking and it can cause them to question their relationships or to question and entertain a relationship or perhaps a friendship that shouldn't even develop. And I think that what you brought up there and that newsflash is so important that just because you find someone attractive or wooing doesn't mean that you don't love and Um, still want to be with your spouse and that you've lost a spark with your spouse. Right, right. And this is a taboo topic. I must say it's something people don't want to talk about, that this happens. Uh, Dr. Popchik, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Mm -hmm. in the the exceptional 7%, so only 7% of marriages are exceptionally, are exceptionally happy. And he says one of the secrets of that is knowing that there's always going to be someone more attractive, smarter, more successful than your spouse, knowing that you're going to encounter these situations and having that knowledge intellectually is the first step. But then when you, if you experience it, even if you have the appropriate boundaries, knowing that what I said before with Johnny Depp is even when you find yourself having that attraction to someone, knowing that you probably are attracted to the idea of the person, not Mm. actually who the person is. And you made a commitment and a vow to your spouse to love, to love him or her through everything. So that love is the deep water that will run through your life and that will be the sustaining source of your, of your marriage. And you can continue. I know when, as the years pass on with your spouse, it's, it doesn't have that new, exciting, sometimes that new, exciting feeling all the time, but you can still have your date nights. You can still do things together that will produce a source of excitement, whether it's the activities you choose or the kind of date nights you plan and just deepen that that bond and that relationship with your spouse while knowing that, yeah, your spouse is not God. You're not always. Yeah. Yeah. And Christina, just kind of some tips for that. Cause I think a lot of people find themselves in those ruts and Jim O'Day has been with us many times here on the show. And there's some podcasts that we'll actually link to in the show notes as well as on social media, where we talk about kind of keeping those relationships alive, you know, spending and dedicating the time, doing fun things and keeping romance alive. And I'm not just talking about intimate romance. There are many types of romance. And I think sometimes we forget about that as well. Christina, in these moments and situations, situations. What do you do? Do you just shun the person? How do you work that out? Yeah, that's the typical thing that I've seen a lot of men do is who especially are really (laughs) religious men. (laughs) 
you know what I'm talking about. Yes. You've seen it too. But I think that is, is probably the worst thing that you could do because it will create more mystique around that person. So I'm just saying, just stick to your boundaries and you'll be golden. An example of this is the venerable Fulton Sheen told a story about this rabbit. And this is his words, a ravishingly beautiful young, young woman, young stewardess whom he had met. And instead of shunning her, he appreciated her beauty. He spoke with her on the plane and he told her to let her beauty be seen by those who never see beauty. So he encouraged her to pursue her vocation and she was eager to serve the Lord. She had an open heart in the best way that she possibly could. So he advised her to work as a doctor for a leper colony in Vietnam. She actually did it. And just wow. what a beautiful mission that if he would have done the, I don't see this, this woman's beautiful, I'm shutting down type thing, mm-hmm. then maybe she wouldn't be encu- been encouraged to do this, this mission that she embarked upon. So mm-hmm. I just thought we can all, we can all learn something from the venerable Fulton Sheen. Wow, Christina, that story is so profound because sometimes whether uh, it's maybe someone who's treating us really badly or maybe it's someone who we're married and you're attracted suddenly to this person, it, all of this can be a call to do good, not bring out the best in us. Whereas, you know, someone's treating us terrible, we treat them terrible back or we're suddenly attracted to someone and we just kind of let our imagination, our feelings and everything go and run away with us. No, instead that attraction can be an opportunity. Uh, perhaps you're being called in a particular way to intervene in this person's life and you know not to think too highly of yourself but what venerable Fulton Sheen did in this story I think speaks of volumes to the capacity we have as human beings to do good and to overcome our frailty and remember that even in good situations temptation can arise and distract us from the mission that we have that's Christina Pineda celebrity and royal matchmaker here on relevant radio you can find her at matchmakersinthecity.com Christina we were going to come back and finally we will get to them we've been getting questions since last night all over social media if you have a question ask a matchmaker your dating and relationship questions numbers 1-888-914-9149 also taking those questions now on Instagram Follow me at Timmerie, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. I'm there on Twitter as well. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. A Top Gun sequel, Maverick, is out. Apparently, it's fantastic, according to Twitter. I am curious to hear what you think, so send me a note on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want. Do check Instagram a little bit more. Just follow me at Timory, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. My husband wants to go see it. He, I swear, is in love with any Top Gun or not Top Gun Tom Cruise film. I'm not a fan of Tom Cruise. It's kind of like stabbing my eyeballs out personally. Uh, But when I finally saw Top Gun, which I think was only maybe six or seven years ago, it was good. 
It was good. You can, my producer, who just saw it for the first time this weekend, I think would semi-disagree. Typical Tom Cruise movie, according to him. But let me know what you think about Top Gun Maverick, whether or not we should go and see it, and is it worth not the date night, but is it worth the babysitter for the night? Uh, send me a message on social media. Joining me now is celebrity and royal matchmaker Christina Pineda, and her and her sister. I love them because they're faithful Catholics, but they're all over the dating relationship scene. And they're on Access Hollywood. They're on TMZ. They are everywhere when it comes to dating relationships. And you get free advice right now. So now is your chance. Ask a matchmaker your dating and relationship questions. Numbers 1-888-914-9149. You can call us or you can also ask now on my Instagram. We're taking questions. Okay, so Christina, tons of questions are coming in. I'm sifting through where on earth to start here. Let's start with this one. What questions should you ask on the first few dates? This came from Diane on Instagram. Ooh, okay. Well, I always recommend for ladies to let the man lead in in everything, but even in the conversation, to let him drive the conversation forward, to let him try to get to know who you are and listen to what questions he's asking you. Of course, you can I want you to ask questions here and there, but it's really difficult for men to to feel like they're being interviewed and sometimes women were just more communicative in general and we will just start firing off questions to men in an interview style and men shut down when that happens so interrogation <laughs> but hey this is a recon mission christina <laughs> i have to figure out if you're my future husband <laughs> have you ever smoked in your life hmm, interesting let me write this down hold on just a second okay keep going <laughs> yeah so that's my first answer and then in terms of other questions i i really think it's to, it's good to stick to things that to find out what he's passionate about where does he spend his time and met people love talking about what they're passionate about You'll find out if his passions are aligned with yours when you, when you, that was actually the first question I asked my husband. I love that question. We have more questions coming in. So any specific ones? I think that's kind of sometimes what's helpful in part is, you know, what, where do I even start? Yes. So I would say that question is good. The, what are you passionate about question? And then, hmm. That's why I think it's good for him to drive the conversation and then you to, to almost mirror some of the things that he's saying. So if he asks you about what, about if you've seen a movie lately, that's a great question. You can ask, Oh, did you see the recent Top Gun movie? What do you think about it? Movies are a great place to talk about. Travel is a great topic to speak on. Have you traveled outside of the country? And then he'll tell you about his travels. We love, people love talking about the things that make them happy. And you want everyone to have a good, positive experience on the date. So I would stay, especially on the first few dates, you want to stay light, you want to stay fun, you want to stay happy. And little by little, you will get to know that person's personality and the really important things will come out. Okay, more questions coming in. Vian on Instagram asked, how to embrace chastity and not feel embarrassed or question herself when dating? Yeah, I know. It's it's not easy, but if you have that strong resolve and that foundational relationship with the Lord, which should be your backbone of any relationship because 
that's the only way that a relationship can be successful, that will guide you and lead you to date the right types of men and the right type of man who, who pursues you and who is, ends up going to be your future husband will not only respect that decision, he will honor that. He will, and he will be just so blessed and feel so grateful that that is what the decision that you've made. There are so many amazing men like that, but often in our culture, we only see the bottom feeders who aren't, who aren't saving themselves, but that's actually Mm -hmm. just distracting you from the really good men who will love that about you and you will not have to be ashamed. It's a good way to test the men from the boys. Vian also asked how not to feel embarrassed or question herself when dating. I think this is a big one for both men and women. It's easy to kind of just uh, almost be giggly because you're just embarrassed by anything and everything you do. I mean, there's so many things that go wrong when you're first meeting or interacting with someone. I can even think of my own experiences. And for some people, you can laugh, but for other people, that just shuts them down and it causes uh, really a, a roadblock in that dating experience. Mm, yes, yes, that's that's true. But I think knowing that that this person isn't the only person in the world that you have to see how your rapport is with the person. And that comes with time, giving it time being, don't, you don't need to bring up these things in the first few dates that you're saving yourself. You there, this is like, it's like giving your pearls to pigs if you do it too soon. So I would really spend time doing the more fluffy things. Like I said, in that first question, talking about the more fluffy things, then as you get to know the person, if you find out, oh, we have a really great rapport. This is wonderful. I want to keep getting to know him. And he keeps asking me out. These things will come up and you'll be more comfortable with the person then. So that at that point when it is the right time to bring it up, I think maybe a a little bit before getting into an exclusive relationship probably, but you have to feel comfortable to share that before saying it. So I don't want you saying this unless you're comfortable until the point that you're comfortable saying it. It has to be done before an exclusive relationship and definitely before you spend time alone together in a, yeah, yeah, that's going to be hard. Okay. So kind of brings up a number of follow-up questions because I know you and I differ somewhat on bringing up waiting until marriage. And I am part Mm. because I think there's a lot of pressure with people going on exclusive one-on-one dates. Um, that there's a lot of pressure when you don't necessarily know the person super well, and perhaps they have expectations, um, that you kind of want to, you want to create that boundary. So how do you create that boundary? If you're saying not to bring up waiting till marriage in the first date, like what would a, a safe date, healthy date for getting to know someone look like so that you could wait to have those serious conversations without putting yourself in a situation that would make you feel uncomfortable or um, put you at risk for just feeling pressured. Right. So definitely date in public places that will put you in the right physical situation, physical location to not have to deal with those very complicated, tricky matters, but also you're letting the man lead. And in that sense, if he tries to kiss you at the end of the date or something like that, you can say to him, you know what, for me, I really like to take my time getting to know someone before 
in anything before before first kiss and this takes time for me so it's not that I didn't have an, I had an amazing time but that would take a lot that's going to take time for me to warm up to and if he sees that even a kiss is going to take and for a first date I do not recommend kiss but if he sees that the guy usually a man will say okay then this is not someone who's Slow going down. to be sleeping with me yeah and on the first mm -hmm. few dates so if i'm if that's all he's in it for he's going to stop contacting you mm -hmm. but let i would say let's see what his behavior is and of course if he starts getting just if he starts saying oh come up to my place then you can bring it up right there and say, actually, you know what? I am saving myself for marriage, so I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> and then that's usually a, hey, no, thank you. We're done here. <laughs> Warning, red flag, I'm guessing as well, right? Right. But there are those men who just don't know and they say, oh, I just love to spend more time with you. And maybe they're genuine about it, but usually it means something else. But you do want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And if you do say to them, Yes, so I am saving myself. Then, as I mentioned, the right men, men will say, oh my gosh, that's amazing, and keep pursuing you and knowing right that you have strict boundaries. Right, the right man will rise yes. to the occasion. Okay, yep. so one question came in from Patrick. Should you ask about siblings on the first few dates? Oh, I think siblings are pretty, are pretty safe, but... Sometimes people have estranged relationships from siblings and from family. So if it's more of a general question, I think it's fine. But I think anything deeper, for instance, are you close with your, your, your brothers, sisters, and, and what were they like growing up? I think those are probably for further down the line to get to know someone. I, I think it's best to keep it to more of the, Deep, get deep, Simple. but in philosophy and, and entertainment and movies and film and books, but not in personal details. Okay, Christina, next question coming from Michelle on Instagram. How do you find a nice man at mass? I can't tell you how many times I've been asked this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. And I probably would say let him find you. And that would be... You're, you're being, you're dressing in that, that way, in that modest way, but still beautifully. And, you know, it's mass, so we want to look our best. But also staying around after mass, talking to people after mass, making friends with people who you talk to. Not, doesn't just have to be that man. You could smile and say hi if you want. You can start a conversation with him. But you could just get to know people, go to the donut if they have a donut social afterwards get involved with the young adult group there i have though seen that sometimes they'll there for some of the women who i work with they'll say there's just this cute guy who only comes to mass he's not involved in the young adult group and i just don't know what to do because he never stays after mass and they then they try they keep coming after week after week of me coaching with them and they give me updates and they say yeah i tried to talk to him but he almost bolted for his car <laughs> that was one of the <laughs> women who I, and she's beautiful. So it's not like, it's not like she was the one who was, who was, who repelled him, but he clearly was not ready for a relationship is if he can't even have a conversation <laughs> with someone. So it's not right. personal. If they don't, if they don't engage in a conversation with you and you're doing all the things that I mentioned, it, just don't take it personally. They're probably not ready. 
Mm, very good. Okay, one question I receive very often has to do with dating when you're a little bit more middle age. So any advice mm-hmm. for us, in this case, Mary's asking any advice for us, 58-year-old women, uh, the dating mm-hmm. sites, even Catholic ones, just aren't working. Right, right. Yeah, I, I definitely think getting involved in whatever Catholic church communities there are around in your area or even a little further than you, get involved, go to the volunteering events, go to the, become part of the Legion of Mary groups, anything that people are congregating together, that's a great way to meet different people and even meet new female friends who might say, oh yeah, you know what? My brother is a single. He actually lives 40 minutes away, but come to my party and you can meet him. Just, you never know what will happen with these connections. And they don't even just have to be at Catholic church events. It could be going to other volunteer events or going to different events that you're interested in, your alumni groups. Tim Marie and I have talked about that before, but really putting yourself in different new situations because you're here in one corner in your bubble. Your man is here in his corner with his bubble. So these bubbles need to meet. And the only way they can meet is if you actually do things that are outside of your normal circle. Okay, quick last question. By the way, that's Christina Pineda from Matchmakers in the City. Find her at matchmakersinthecity.com. We've included a link on social media. Follow me at Timmer, that's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, or check out the podcast notes. The question is, Christina, how do we know we are being called to marriage? Is it as simple as desiring it? Mm, Well, certain desires that are persistent could be the Lord saying that this is something that I want for you. And I really encourage people to explore that desire, to do what it takes to implement those, those, those really important dating skills that aren't in every, in most people's arsenal. They are things that Timree and I have talked about. I would say, listen to previous episodes with Timree and me, because we have a lot of great advice for you. If you feel like you're called, you're called to marriage and you feel like you desire it, And then if you implement everything, then as much as possible, you put it in God's hands and say, Lord, I think this is what you're calling me to. I'm totally open. I'm doing what I can. And yes, and then see what he brings, see what he brings Mm -hmm. into your life. And one thing I often say too, and I really do believe this, I think the natural calling is always to marriage. We feel that very naturally, Uh, but we're if we think we're called to marriage, you're called to marry a particular person. And I think sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up with the idea of marriage and rather than first focusing on a marriage with a particular person. Because if you're just not meeting people, I mean, maybe that means we need to put ourselves in other places. Maybe we need to discern religious life. And I also say the same thing with religious life. You can be called to a particular religious order versus diocesan it's not kind of always just this one size fits all assumption of one or the other but true discernment of people religious orders and whether or not we're called to marry a particular person that's been christina pineda celebrity and royal matchmaker find her at matchmakers in the city always given her candid insights you can also follow her on social media we have tagged her in particular on instagram her and her sister are always giving keen insights into the dating world i'll be back tomorrow we're going to talk everything from gene editing to transplanting organs and other things from animals into humans. Fascinating conversation. 
The Oklahoma governor signed legislation that bans abortion from the moment of conception. We're going to talk about this and your questions as the abortion debate continues to heat up. This is Tim Ray from Trending with Tim Ray. I'm also going to be joined to talk about xenotransplantation. This is organ transplantation from animals to humans. What do you think about that? Join me Friday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.